Superman Forever Radio, Episode 107, Emails and Feedback. than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, people believe tall buildings of a single bound, the incident of ship town is now the man of steel, Superman! Hello, and welcome to the Superman Forever radio podcast. My name is Bob Fisher. This is a show where I talk about Superman from 1938 to rebirth and beyond. That's what I do. I talk about Superman. Could be anything, too, because, you know, this is not an index show. It's just me talking about something that uh, is on my mind or something I want to talk about. It could be a comic, a story from the comics. TV show, movies, any of that stuff. So welcome aboard. If this is the first time you've been here, welcome. Welcome. Now, this is a little different because this time it's not going to be so much me talking as you. We'll be uh, looking at just a few. This is a shorter episode than normal because normally I will talk about uh, maybe an opening section of what's going on and and uh, talk about a little bit about what's happening in, in the world of comics and Superman current day at the time of recording. Uh, and then, you know, get into kind of the, the uh, meat of whatever that show is, that particular episode. Now, today, uh, we're going to be listening to some emails that Uh, you have sent in and some iTunes feedback. So if you want to send email for future episodes, you can do that bob at supermanforever.com. That's bob at supermanforever.com. It would also be very cool. We have a few today that you will hear a few uh, or a couple of iTunes reviews uh, that are very nice. And uh, that's kind of cool. That's very cool to get some iTunes reviews. So, uh, you know, and that's actually how I still listen to podcasts. I have a Windows box, a PC, sitting on my desk, but I will uh, run iTunes and uh, subscribe. I have a whole bunch of podcasts that I subscribe to, and every day I hit the refresh button a couple day, couple times a day and see what's new, fill up the iPod. I have an old iPod Nano, third-generation Nano, little 8 gig. Fill it up with uh, pods for the day or just the ones I want to get to and uh, listen to them as I go about my business. I use headphones just to <laughs> finish it. I use headphones, not earbuds. Tried earbuds for a while. I just really am not crazy about earbuds. Don't like earbuds at all. And uh, I don't mind headphones. I like headphones. So I have no problem with putting uh, either a small pair like I have on now from a nice little Sony pair of headphones up to some really nice uh, studio headphones that I have that cover the full ear, that are very comfortable, that you hear nothing but what you want to hear coming through. It's just wonderful. Anyway, this show is a little different this time because, like I said, it's going to be your emails and feedback. And uh, there's not a whole bunch of them, so this is going to be kind of a short episode. So uh, I do want to thank you, though, for sending them in and helping me with the emails 
by the way, is a pre-recorded segment uh, that my secret weapon, Kim, helped me with. So without further ado, let's uh, go ahead and get into uh, some of your feedback over the last, say, six months or so. Okay, here we go. who I want to be when I grow up. In iTunes by Glenn Clark from USA on June 25th, 2016. I'm 46 years old and have been a fan of Superman for most of my life. Buying my first book in 1974 and for the most part, bought it religiously until 1997 or so, then I fell off. I reluctantly sold my collection around that same time. Thanks to Rebirth, I am back to being all in. This show makes me smile every time I listen, and here's why. I'm not sure how old Bob Fisher is, but to hear him talk passionately about his love for the Man of Steel is exactly where I want to be from now until the end of my days. I gave up on Superman once, never again. Thanks, Glenn. That's really nice. Uh, By the way, later in this month of January 2017, I will turn 65. (laughs) I know. Amazing. So, thank you, Glenn. But yeah, I I had a period, too, where I dropped out. And, um, you know, for a few years, wasn't really reading them. Then I got back in. Then I was getting them, but not really keeping up all the time. Uh, it actually took me a while to come around to Mr. Byrne and them getting rid of Superboy and Supergirl and all that stuff and the Legion and the problems that it um, created, but came back and uh, it was Jeff Johns that got me reading them again, perp, uh, again for, you know, for real again with his Brainiac story. I thought, well, that's not bad. I should start reading these again. <laughs> and uh, then it had ups and downs from that point on, but I, but I was there again. So uh, other than a, a, a couple of years in the eighties and a couple of years in the, uh, nineties, uh, I faded out, but, uh, pretty much since 1956, I've been reading Superman comic books. And of course, with that goes action comics and Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen and justice league and uh, throughout, most of it actually was still reading the other characters, too. Batman, Detective, Green Lantern, Flash, when they had their own comics. They're back again, of course. Hal Jordan, Barry Allen is all back in the in Rebirth and doing some interesting things with them. I'm 
reading a lot of different comics now, currently, and still enjoying them. So I think DC's doing a good job. DC's comics feel like DC Comics again. You know, it's just these guys, they feel familiar to me. There's some interesting stuff going on with Superman, and we'll see how they, you know, uh, what happens when they finish pulling all these little threads. But thank you, Glenn, for the uh, for the great iTunes review. Appreciate it. Love it. In iTunes by Cal L. 14114304 from USA on September 12th, 2016. I love Bob and the podcast. I have enjoyed every episode. I do, however, miss the soft jazz music Bob would put in the background while he's talking. Please bring that back. Smiley face. Okay, and... Thank you, Kal-El. I appreciate it. And by your command. And the next one up is from Dave McElvenny from... Late in the summer, or actually early in the summer, as part of uh, when I did my 60th summer super spectacular celebration or something like that. A lot of alliterations with 60th, uh, meaning that I have been reading comics since 1956, in the summer of 56, and uh, uh, which made it 60 years from 1956 to uh, 2016 thus my 60th super summer celebration of comic book reading and uh, Dave McElvenny wrote in greetings Bob I thoroughly enjoyed your 60th super spectacular summer celebration episode your 60th summer of comic books is my 60th summer of my life congratulations to both of us your story of meeting and talking to Noel Neal in 1972 was just wonderful to hear. What a great memory for you, especially of making her laugh. I must say, when you mentioned that as a 20-year-old college student talking to her, you reverted to Bobby Fisher. I understood completely and I laughed a bit myself. I recalled that in 1972, the chess genius Bobby Fisher defended the Russian grandmaster Boris Spassky, so Bobby Fisher would have sounded like a famous name then. I love hearing your memories of that trunk in Manio and the treasures it held. There's something indelible about such important memories of childhood, isn't there? Your description of the barn, the trunk and its position in the barn, the location of the key to the barn. All say this was a wonderfully special and happy memory for you, and I thank you for sharing that memory, as well as the memory of that drugstore next to the movie theater in your first comic book purchase. Thanks for inviting your listeners in to such joy. Live long and prosper. Dave Hawkcar McElvaney. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, the barn in Manio holds a particularly strong spot in my memory banks. That, that particular summer was, uh, well, pretty memorable. <laughs> obviously uh, oh yeah and the Bobby Fisher thing yes uh, as a matter of fact I'm glad you mentioned that the the whole idea of the Bobby Fisher 
chess champion uh, playing Spassky that summer. During the 70s and 80s, I actually played tournament chess. And uh, uh, into, I guess, the mid-80s or so, getting into the late 80s, I played tournament chess from about 70, 1971 to the late 80s, so uh, 18 years or so. Enjoyed it, and enjoyed it a lot. Great system and whatever. I had uh, was uh, just on the verge of breaking into the B class uh, of chess tournament chess players. So it's B, then A, then Master Candidate, then Master, and then various forms of Masters, and then, of course, Grandmaster. But actually playing chess, I always thought it was funny uh, that because uh, Bobby Fischer was so obviously famous even in the regular world that when you'd show up to a chess tournament and there were usually five games you would play five games over the course of two or three days over a weekend usually uh rated and as i said i was i was in the verge of becoming a b player i think my last recorded ranking rating was about 1780 or 90 and uh, become a B player at 1,800 and above with master anything at 2,100 or over 2,000, I think. But uh, at 1,800 level, almost. So I call myself a high C-plus player, (laughs) Uh, a B-minus chess player. Really enjoyed it, and everybody that I played got a big kick out of it too. And I, and I uh, always signed. They always made me sign the the scorecards. And tournament chess, both players keep track. You know, you write your your moves down, and you're on a time clock. A certain number of moves per uh, given time period. I think in those days it was forty moves in an hour. You had an hour to make your first 40 moves before the flag fell on you. And then you got to reset, of course, if you made your 40 moves. But uh, it was always fun to see the people's expressions, whether they won or lost, whether I won or lost. I guess they got a big kick out of it. When, But it would be either way. They would tell their friends they either uh, lost to or beat Bobby Fischer at a chess tournament. So, uh, yeah, I had fun playing with that. I enjoyed the game. Enjoyed the game quite a bit. So thanks for that, Dave. I think we have another one from Dave. Or two. Greetings, Bob. Wow, what a fun piece of nostalgia, at least for an old guy like me. I think Superman number 159 was a really good story when I read it as a kid. And even with the ending, I think overall it still holds up. Certainly with their 21st century perspective, we would wish for an ending in which Lois remains Supermaid. But reading it with the eyes and heart of the 11-year-old boy you were in 1963 when you first read the story, the ending might well make perfect sense, even despite the ending. There are some really great things in the story, including my personal favorite, the reform of Lou Thoria, and her resulting friendship with Supermaid, something which I'd love to have seen in canon in the Silver Age between Superman and Lex Luthor. I think Edmund Hamilton, with perhaps some input from Mort Weisinger, was playing with readers by giving Lois the Kryptonian name Candy Can, which for some readers must have read as Candy Cane. What I found even funnier was her adoptive Kryptonian father's name, Cal Can, which brings to my mind at least the dog food brand Cal Can, which has been in existence since since the 1930s and so might well have been familiar to both the writer and the readers. I also love the concept 
common through the Silver Age that everyone, or at least everyone important in Superman's life, seems to have a Kryptonian doppelganger. Presumably, many of these lookalike characters in this story might have been, in the real stories, members of the lookalike squad in Kandor. Thanks for the fun, Bob, and keep them coming. Live long and prosper. Dave, Hawk, Carr, McElvenny. <laughs> Calcan the dog food. Crypto could have done a commercial for Calcan. Crypto's Calcan. Woo, that would have been funny. Uh, several things about that, that episode, uh, that issue particularly made me laugh. Uh, the whole idea of Lois being a nurse, but the nurses were dressed in kind of what uh, young teenage girls or something used to be called. I used to remember something about them called the candy stripers or something or the stripers. And they were like nurse nurses in training or young girls who wanted to grow up to be nurses and they basically helped out or something i don't remember and i haven't looked it up and see those but they wore like little red and white striped outfits and in this issue i think lois had one of those on so with her name of candy can i'm sure it was read as candy cane by so many, even to the point where she's dressing in a red and white stripe. Yeah, I think Edmund Hamilton and and probably Mort Weisinger playing uh, playing uh, having some fun at our expense and theirs. And the doppelgangers of Candor. Yes, it's so funny that almost everybody on Krypton has a doppelganger. Uh, or someone in Superman's life uh, with Van Z and Sylvia, which we mentioned in another episode. So uh, I love that, though. I just, I just think that's, that's just really great. So once again, thank you, Dave, for more email from Dave McElvenny. Hawkar. The next email comes from His Excellency, Trentus Magnus from Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. Bob, just checked out the new episode. As you probably guessed, the death of Superman is what caught my attention about this episode. All due respect to other stories featuring Superman dying in some way or another, but for my money, nothing beats the death of Superman. I should pause here and say, The Death of Superman is a story published in Superman number 149. I well understand that there's a trade paperback out there also called the death of Superman, which features Superman getting beaten to death, but that storyline is called Doomsday. The comics I paid money for back in 1992 all say Doomsday. Why the storyline is referred to as the death of Superman is beyond me. Perhaps we can chalk it up to the Mandela effect. Anyway, TDOS from Superman number 149 is how to tell that kind of story right. The imaginary story angle is probably more legitimate a technique than what DC did in 1992 regarding Superman's doomsday-induced temporary coma. In Superman number 75, 
Superman more or less swooned and had a prolonged but not permanent out-of-body experience. In Superman number 149, Superman died. Finito. No moss. Drop the curtain. Roll credits. His condition was permanent, and the circumstances of his death were meaningful. Lex Luthor didn't resort to fisticuffs to beat Superman senseless. Instead, Lex used Superman's only true weakness, his capacity to hope for the best in others. If Lex had sprung out of jail and built yet another superweapon, Superman would have tossed him back in prison by page three. Instead, Lex used Superman's own sense of decency against him. He stabbed Superman in the back, broke the knife off at the handle, and then rubbed some salt into the wound for good measure. What makes TDOS so effective, though, is how the damage is already done. Sure, Lex poisons Superman to death with kryptonite, but Lex's efforts are a day late and a buck short. Superman has inspired the entire universe to live up to his ideals. He's trained a protege to take his place. The people of Earth were already stirring behind Superman's example, but his betrayal and death will galvanize them into being the best versions of themselves they're capable of. So yes, Lex won in TDOS, but his victory is ultimately hollow, meaningless, short-lived, and irrelevant. By the time the Legion of Superheroes Lex Luthor is likely to be remembered at best as a bump in the road during mankind's transition into greatness. Lex didn't win anything. He probably didn't even slow anything down. He made a completely futile effort to stop mankind's ascendance, and he'll be watching as a phantom for all of eternity as people forget his name. For someone like Lex Luthor, irrelevance is probably the biggest defeat imaginable and Lex will have all of eternity to wallow in his never-ending defeat. Amazing story. Trentus Magnus. Magnus, thank you for the email. Great email. I could not agree with you more, really. That's kind of why I uh, made the little joke in the beginning about uh, episode 118 of Volume 1 Superman from uh, earlier. <laughs> than this one because on the cover it does say the death of superman and they make it seem like he is dying but uh, that one like so many other superman stories he did not die this one psh, bye-bye now the imaginary story angle i love the whole idea that dc used to do this the imaginary story uh because as things as canon became a little more important and continuity became a little more important. This was their way around it. This was the way Edmund Hamilton uh, and company don't want to slight any of the guys in those days, but my favorites were Edmund Hamilton and, and uh, of course, Mr. Siegel himself, but they could tell these other stories out of continuity and tell the story they wanted to tell the actual death of Superman and had comics and had Superman and had things been differently. Imagine if that had been it, 1963, 61 rather, in 1961, boom, you know. So Superman is dead. And in chapter three, in the finale of this, it's more of, well, it's the how they deal with it, how the world and in fact, the, the known universe deals with the death of such an icon. And the story was just told beautifully. So I, I really couldn't agree with you more, Magnus. I think that was just a, 
spot on, as they say. <laughs> Mandela effect. <laughs> and our final email of the evening is from our good buddy Dave McElvinney. Greetings, Bob. Kudos on a truly excellent episode. So much goodness, it's hard to know where to begin. First of all, your musical selections throughout the episode were absolutely perfect. You have a gift. I hadn't remembered the story from Superman number 118, 1958, that you teasingly mentioned at the beginning of the episode, but I certainly remembered the three-part novel of Superman number 149. That is a wonderful imaginary story, and I can see why it's your favorite. In some ways, in my mind, I often associate this story with the death of President Kennedy, although it came out two years before that. The lying in state, the huge lines of mourners, from humble ordinary citizens to heads of state, the profound worldwide effect that such a death had. It's almost uncanny. As you said, it's hard to imagine such a story for any other superhero or any other supervillain, but Superman and Lex Luthor, particularly Luthor's using Superman's innate faith in the goodness of all people, even Luthor. Truly, Jerry Siegel was at his storytelling peak with this one, and Kurt Swan's art is an excellent part of the story, too. I agree with your lack of enthusiasm for whatever happened to the man of tomorrow. I've always said that as an end of Superman's story, it pales in comparison to the amazing story of Superman Red and Superman Blue, Superman number 162, July 1963, which, although imaginary, gives Superman the kind of wrap-up that the character deserves, even if he needs a final story. Everything terrible happens in whatever happened to... dot dot dot, while everything worthy and wonderful happens in Superman Red, Superman Blue. I humbly thank you for the shout-out at the beginning of this episode, and I thank you, too, for continued fun listening Have a Merry Christmas and a happy and healthy 2017. Live long and prosper. Dave McElvenny. Thanks again, Dave. And uh, thanks for mentioning the music on uh, Facebook. Got quite a bit of comments about that. People uh, enjoyed the music for that particular episode. And I must admit, I enjoyed too. I enjoyed putting together that episode. Uh, It's one of my favorite stories. I really wanted to do it justice. And uh, it's funny, music has always been a really important part in my life. At one point in my life, I thought music, I thought I would end up being a uh, music teacher. That was the course I was on early on in college. Uh, High school, college was to be a music teacher. I'm a musician, composer. I thought that's what I would be. So you never know where life is going to take you. So I appreciate that. I'm glad you enjoyed that. And yes, I think Siegel was at his best in this. And I agree with you that, obviously, I agree with you that this would have been a better way to end it. Or uh, if they really wanted to end Superman uh, before Byrne took over, they didn't need to have that Alan Moore thing stuck in there with the worst possible outcomes that you could think of. Uh, They could have just reprinted 162. I agree with you. Superman Red, Superman Blue, 162. I'm going to actually revisit 162 in an upcoming episode well sometime in in 2017 uh, i'm going to re 
visit it briefly as part of another show I'm working on. So uh, I look forward to that for 2017. But I agree, the Superman Red, Superman Blue ending was perfect for the Silver Age Superman. But once again, thank you, Dave, for that. I do appreciate that. And I appreciate all of the email and the people writing in. And a few special thanks here for some people. And a lot of people do communicate, by the way, through Facebook. And we didn't read all of the Facebook comments, but we get quite a few Facebook comments, too, as some of the episodes go up. And as I said, some of the people on Facebook mentioned the music and how much they enjoyed the death of Superman. Had some good feedback on the Lois Lane Supermaid story. So we're getting some good feedback either way, and I appreciate it in any any way you'd like. And if you want to be part of the email for future, you can send it to Bob at supermanforever.com. And, of course, the iTunes reviews are always welcome. And join the Facebook page and group and communicate there or, or friend me on Facebook. But some of the people I'd also like to thank... You know, just just for being there and communicating. And, and so, of course, I have to thank right off the top. Michael Bailey said some really great things. A good friend uh, said some really nice things uh, about the show and about that particular episode of 149. But it's all but it's been a big supporter and a good fan. Mike Zumo. Thank you, Mike Zumo. Been doing a few episodes with Mike on his show, The Man of Screen, where we talk about the adventures of Superman TV show from the 50s, starring George Reeves, Phyllis Coates, Noel Neal, Jack Larson, John Hamilton, and Robert Shane. Uh, of course, those are very special episodes to me. So I'm enjoying that over there with, with Mike Zumo doing that. Other people that have had some great conversations over the past year, Mark Lax, Douglas Meacham, Jonathan Hayes has some nice things. Thank you, Jonathan. Hank Weisinger, Debbie Reese, Rebecca Johnson over there at Supergirl Radio, Billy Hogan, Billy Hogan, Superman Fan Podcast. One of the first Superman podcasts I ever listened to was Billy Hogan's. I was so stunned when I first listened to Billy Hogan's show. thought, hey, here's a guy reading comic books, man. Ah, this is great. And Billy puts out every week a show indexing the complete silver age of Superman comics. It's just great, great. Thank you so much, Billy Hogan. Steve Eunice and Scotty V from the Superman homepage. Of course, the awesome J. David Weeder. You can call him Dave. And my buddy John M. Wilson. And of course, my secret weapon, Kim. I, I, I couldn't do the show like I do without her. So there you have it. So... Thank you again, everybody, for listening, for downloading and listening. And I've got some fun things planned for 2017. And what I'm really hoping is that I can be a little more frequent than once a month. I'd like to do more than once a month. And there'll be something coming up soon. Well, I don't know about soon. Scratch soon. Sometime in 2017, something will be coming up based on a question from Dave McElvenny. There may be something new coming up. Mm Mm-hmm. We'll see. So once again, thank you again for the email. I do appreciate it. Bob at supermanforever.com. Next time, in just a week or so, a week to ten days from now, well, from now for me, for now, I don't know when from you, it might already be there. (laughs) But the next episode will be... um, one of those questions that people ask so much about Superman sometimes comes up a lot. I'm going to take a look at it. Is Superman Superman because of nature or nurture? 
We'll take a look at that in many different angles and focusing particularly on one of my favorite Superman stories from long, long ago. Till next time. Thanks again, everybody. Bye-bye. Superman is based on the original character appearing in Superman magazine and action comics. Superman created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster and is copyright DC Comics. Any music used in this show are for review purposes or demonstration purposes only. I make no money on the show as of yet. So, there you have it.